Welcome to Sermons from the Edge, a ministry of the Edge Church in Winona, Minnesota, a place where it's okay to not be okay, where you can come and you belong just as you are, no matter what you're facing. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Open something that's actually real. I don't want to just be dumb and have, you know, just like, oh, I know it's going to happen, even, even though I don't really know. And that's, that's kind of where Paul was going this morning in our passage in Romans. We're going to be, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to give you an assignment. So if you have a phone and you take a note on your phone, or if you've got a paper or pencil, uh, grab that right now. And I'm going to give you an assignment, because here's the deal. We're going to be uh, looking at Romans chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 3, verse 8. And I want you to write that passage down. Romans 2, 17 through 3.8. It's only about 30 verses. It's a pretty, pretty easy read. Here's the thing. We're going we're gonna to use that as our basis this morning to somewhat launch off of, but I'm not actually going to read it. This might be the first time you've ever had somebody preach out of a passage they didn't even... Okay? Here's the reason I'm doing this. It's kind of a lengthy passage, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of the nuts and bolts of it, uh, but I want you to read it, and then we're going to kind of move on and, and kind of unpack what Paul is saying to the church. Paul in that passage is basically, uh, if you remember last week and the weeks before when we've looked at this passage, he's writing to the people of Rome. He's writing to them because he wants so desperately for them to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, and he's, he's writing, he recognizes that he can't get there in person yet. And so he's sending this letter ahead uh, to the people there and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. But in these first couple chapters, he kind of unpacks the reason why they need Jesus. The reality of what they have and what the, the problems in their lives and the things they're doing. And so in this particular passage that I'm going to have you read on your own, uh, Paul is actually writing to the Jewish people to, in, in Rome, and he's challenging them to not live with false hope. He's telling the Jewish people, listen, just because you're Jewish does not mean that you should have assurance of salvation. In other words, just because you, you follow the law, the Old Testament Levitical law, which actually wasn't always over 600 individual laws, and Paul was saying to these Jewish people, hey, even though you follow all of the laws, that doesn't mean, or you shouldn't rely on that alone to give you assurance that you will be in heaven in eternity. He says, don't, 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 do it. don't believe that because of your following the law. He says, don't be led astray. Don't have false hope because that false hope is going to condemn you. In fact, he, he, in part of that passage that you're going to read, talks about don't even rely on the fact that you've been circumcised which was part of the Old Testament law, and it was something that kind of set the Jewish people apart from everybody else, and they put a lot of stock in that one particular thing. And so Paul comes along and he says, listen, don't have false hope. Don't have false hope. Now, as you read that, I want to encourage you to do this. <laughs> I want to encourage you as you read that, in, when it's, whenever it says Jewish or refers to a Jewish person, I want you to insert your name in that spot, okay? As you read that, just say, okay, Paul is writing this letter to me. So don't rely on Chuck. Don't rely on your works. Don't rely on following all the law. Don't rely on all of those things to be the source of your hope because that's not going to get it done. 
It's, it's too bad, but we see this happening in other places in the Bible where there's kind of this sense of false hope. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 14, Jeremiah complained to God because the people were being led astray by something false. They were listening to false hope given by someone that proclaimed to be a prophet of God, but they were far from God. Look what, look what he says in Jeremiah 14. He's actually praying to God, Jeremiah is, and he says, Then, he, then I said, O sovereign Lord, their prophets are telling them, all is well. No war or famine will come. The Lord will surely send you peace. That's what the prophets were saying. Then the Lord said to, to Jeremiah, the prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any message. They prophesy of visions and revelations they have never seen or heard. They speak foolishness made up in their own lying hearts. That's an interesting statement that God is giving to Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah was a prophet of God, and he's complaining about this, and God is saying, listen, they're just talking gibberish. I didn't tell them anything. They didn't see a prophet, or they didn't see a vision from me. They got nothing other than what they're making up, which actually is a little bit disturbing to me, and maybe it is to you. It kind of begs the question, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? How is our discernment? The challenge that you might have to ask yourselves this morning is, am I being led astray, or am I living with false hope? Our world is full of false hope. And as we, as we look at this, this message this morning, I really feel like the message Paul was trying to get across to the, to the Roman people is, listen, it doesn't matter what culture tells you, it doesn't matter what society tells you. It doesn't matter what popular opinion is. It doesn't even matter if you do all the right things according to the Old Testament law and live the way that it says you should live. Those things are great, but that's not all that it takes. That's just a piece of it. Second Timothy chapter 4 says, The time is coming when people won't listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers who will please them by telling them only what they are itching to hear. Amazing passage. I used to always think, well, that's, that's just ridiculous. But you know what? As, as, we, as we move on in our lives, as, a, as our culture uh, continues to transform, as even the church uh, will say, the church at large begins to go through these seasons, I'm afraid that sometimes we actually fall into that passage. The time is coming when people won't listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers who will please them by telling them only what their itching ears want to hear. You know what? We don't often go looking for somebody to tell us we're wrong. Isn't that true? We don't, we don't often just seek out, you know, can I, I mean, I, have I ever taken a poll on a Sunday morning and say, hey, if you, if you think I'm wrong this morning, could you just raise your hand because I'd love to hang out with you after church. We don't look for people to tell us we're wrong, right? Even in our relationships with one another, we don't like to be told we're wrong. If you're married, you know very well you do not like for your spouse to tell you you're wrong, right? Just, just Steph and I. Good. Praise the Lord, Steph. We got this. <laughs> we don't like that, and yet sometimes that's exactly what we need, isn't it? Paul is actually saying, listen, there's some things that you're holding on to that are giving you false hope. And that's the message he's writing to the Jewish people in this passage in Rome. And so this morning, I'm going to take just a, a few more minutes 
Uh, I realize we're coming to the end of what we should be having for our service, but I want to just throw a couple things out here for us to look at uh, quickly. There's three things that we can count, three things that we do count on that actually can't make us right with God. Things we count on that don't actually make us right with God. Uh, In fact, they actually give us false hope. False hope in that God desires relationship with us, but there's some things that we do just that are just straight up religion. Just like the Jewish people following those 600 plus uh, laws of the Old Testament, none of which are bad, but they're not going to develop relationship with God. The first one, belief in God. Belief in God can't make you right with God. I know that sounds kind of odd, but let me just unpack that a little bit. Have you ever noticed that almost everybody believes in God? Almost everybody believes in God. It's rare that you come across somebody that says, I don't believe there is a God or that God exists or any of that stuff. I just don't believe any of it. Most people would say they believe in God. In fact, talk to people that have troubles in their life, uh, troubles with marriage, trouble with children, even people that I've talked to that had a, were going through a grieving process with a, a deceased loved one. And I often hear, well, at least they believe in God. At least they believed in God. And, and in my mind, I'm saying, okay, well, what does that really mean? What does it really mean to just believe? Because that's kind of an interesting statement. Belief in God is the starting point of relationship with God. But you can believe in God and have false hope. The fact that I simply believe it's going to happen or that he does exist is really not all that we need, is it? I love this, this month of March because uh, I like... I like sports, and I particularly like college basketball, and this is March Madness Month. It's kind of the tournament, a national basketball tournament, so it's kind of fun. I love following that. My son and I, Calvin, I get into it. Calvin also is playing high school basketball on the basketball team, and this week they're starting their, their, their section tournaments for the state playoffs. So it's a section tournament and then the state tournament, and so it's been a fun week with him with basketball. They ended their race on Friday, and yesterday morning they, got, they did their seeding stuff. The coaches worked on that, and, and, and all that came back, and, and Calvin was disappointed. Their team was disappointed because they did third. They shot, thought they should have been second. And so there's obviously, there's quickly some tension, and like we're looking at, well, how did that happen, and who got seated ahead of them, and how did they, they, yeah, they got cheated, and that, you know, that whole thing, and you know, all that. <clears throat> So they have a game on, on, on Tuesday, and they start this process. And they're hoping, the team is hoping, that they'll make it to the state tournament. But in order to get to the state tournament, they have to win Tuesday, and then they have to win a game Saturday, and then the following week, they would have to win the, champion, the section championship to get to the state tournament. So that's their goal. They're hoping for that. Now, can you imagine if after church uh, today, Calvin just started walking around talking to you and saying, Hey, we're going to the state tournament. It's going to be awesome. We're going to play in Minneapolis. We're going to play at Williams Arena, the barn on the campus of Minnesota. We're going to the state tournament. It's going to be awesome. Can you imagine if, if he just started walking around telling people that after church and you'd be looking at him like, what? I thought you had to play the section tournament first. Oh, yeah, but we're going to win that. It's done. It's all done. We're going to, we're going to win that. Can you imagine how weird that would seem? Now, let's go back to faith in God. Can you imagine somebody just walking and I believe in God. I believe, I'm, I'm good. I believe in God, so I'm going to heaven. See, see where I'm going is sometimes we say things like that. I believe, but belief alone doesn't make us right with God. 
There's a sense of false hope. Let me unpack this a little bit with what Scripture says. James chapter 2. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. See where I'm going with this? Look at Hebrews chapter 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe, excellent, that God exists, and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. I can believe in God all day long, but seeking Him, I might be living in false hope. In that passage in Rome or in Hebrews 11, it goes on after that and it lists all kinds of people who had faith and acted on their faith in the Old Testament. It talks about Noah who built an ark even though he was uh, in the desert and had not seen rain forever. It talks about Abraham and, uh, who left his own land because God told him to, I'm going to take you someplace new and give you a promise. It goes on and on and on in that in passage in chapter 11 of Hebrews and says of all these people who had faith, but it also gives examples of their faith in that they acted on their faith. Look at what 1 John chapter 2 says. We can be sure we know that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and isn't the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how complete they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Faith alone, belief alone, is not something that's going to get us to the right place. It can't make us right with God. It gets us closer, but it can't do the whole thing. Biblical knowledge can't make you right with God. Biblical knowledge. Knowledge will benefit you a lot, um, but it's not, all, not everything that's going to be there. Knowing itself is, is different than acting, isn't it? We act some ways that sometimes aren't smart. A while back I was working on it. We had an outlet in our, in our house that was bad and I was going to replace it. And so I got all the tools. I got a new outlet. I put uh, everything right there. I had uh, electrical tape. I was going to do this job. And I've done it before and I don't necessarily enjoy electrical work because I'm really not very good at it. Uh, and it's always a little bit frightening to me. But I can do it. I'm like, okay. I'm going to try to do this. I'm not going to call an electrician because that's going to be a lot of money. I can just, I'm a man. How hard can it be? <laughs> that's a bad place to start. I knew enough to make it, maybe make it happen. So I started this thing and took the, the electrical cover off, the plate off, and started unscrewing the, the outlet from the, the box behind the wall or in the wall. And I had this thought like, I should shut the breaker off at this point. But then I thought, you know what? If I shut the breaker off, it's going to be dark in here because it's the light and, and I'm hot. I just want to do this. It's not that hard. I'll just do it in steps. I'll do the positive. I'll do the negative. I'll plug it into the new outlet, all those kind of things. And so I thought, ah, I got this. And so you know how this story goes. I'm sweating and working on this thing and trying to be really careful and pulling the wires apart. And, and I thought I was, you know, I was connecting them. And I'm pulling one off. I got one connected on this side, one on this side to the new and the old outlet. And as I'm pulling them apart to strike doing that, <laughs> and it was, a, it was a great experience. It was awakening. It was refreshing. It was electrifying. I mean, it was, it was everything you can imagine. And I thought, well, that was not the smartest thing I've ever done. I knew better. 
And I knew I shouldn't do that. And then I thought, I thought at that moment after I've already had this great experience of being awakened, I thought, well, that was really stupid. I should go shut the, the outlet off or the, the breaker off. But of course, I'm halfway done now. So of course, I just went on and, and I got a knucker, got a second jolt. And uh, you would hope that at that point I shut the breaker off, but I was stupid and I didn't. And I finished the job of having experienced two electrifying experiences. The knowledge of what to do and the actual doing were very different. Biblical knowledge is one thing, but can I just say this? Biblical knowledge without obedience is worthless. Biblical knowledge without obedience is worthless. Biblical knowledge without obedience is dangerous. Because we can fill our minds with knowledge, but if it doesn't touch our heart, if it doesn't result in a relationship, what we've actually done in filling our heart with knowledge or our mind with knowledge is we've loaded up a weapon for debate. And then when we get in those situations where God is moving or God wants to be moving, rather than being we begin to quote Scripture. We even maybe can become like the Pharisees in the Old Testament that were very knowledgeable, but they didn't have relationship with God. Biblical knowledge alone can't make us right with God. Belief in God can't make us right with God. And the last thing that I'll share is this. Religious rituals can't make us right with God. This seems like it's very simple and easy to understand because we think of who, who Paul is writing to again. He's writing to the Jewish people that their life was filled with rituals. And again, we recognize that God was looking for a relationship with them, but the, the rituals were kind of what they were having, putting their false hope in. But let's, let's look for just a moment about our rituals. Look to our rituals. What are the things that we relate with spiritual life? We relate things like serving. We relate things like baptism, water baptism. We relate things like our money, our tithing. Uh, we, we serve communion once a month or so here at the church. That's a ritual or a, a process that God actually gave us. But did you know you can even do communion in a ritualistic format and really go through the process and have no meaning? Or what about even just the very basics of church attendance? can become a ritual. All of those things can become things that we do the external practices of them, but those external practices alone are not going to make us right with God because we can go through the forms of that. Let me... Let me Take it a little bit farther. I was, when I was preparing this week, I had a couple of things I felt like God dropped on my heart in this situation, and I want to just read these so I don't get them wrong. If there's a way for us to feel good about ourselves without doing the work, we'll find it. We naturally gravitate to the easiest path, not just in life, but in faith. Let me unpack that a little bit more. Worship is easier than prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing, but how many of us would much rather, or fall guilty of much rather, I'll go to church on Sunday, and we'll have worship, and that'll make it good for me for the week. And we go from week to week, and we go worship on Sunday, and then we come back the next Sunday, and we worship again. And for some reason, we, want, we equate that with being in relationship with God. 
Church attendance is easier than personal devotions. We take solace in doing the easier or easiest of the disciplines. But the Bible says, pray without ceasing. It says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I won't sin against God. So even, you know, it's easy for us to look at, look at Paul's situation and challenging the Jewish people and saying, you're just going through the rituals. And yet, where does that put us sometimes? From week to week, are we spending time in prayer? Are we disciplining ourselves daily to go before the Lord and worship or seeking or adoration or even reading the Bible? Again, if there's a way for us to feel good about ourselves without doing the work, we find it. We naturally gravitate to the easiest path. Here's the problem. When we rely on those rituals, number one, they can't actually make us right with God. But going back to something that I said earlier, I felt like God gave me the the story or reminded me of the story of King David. The problem with not being right with God in relationship with God is that when we have those ebbs and flows, when we go to the valley place, all of those rituals and all of those beliefs and all of that knowledge is going to carry us through in relationship. Because when things get difficult, we need somewhere to go, don't we? We need a Savior that we have relationship with. We need a Savior that we are intimate with. We need someone that we can rely on that we know the character of Him. And that those dry seasons in our life maybe are actually a point where God is trying to help us grow. He didn't orchestrate that dry season, but it certainly is a time when He can help us to grow. And so even in that, the Old Testament prophet said this, Amos said this in chapter 5, and then we're going to look at just a couple take-home lessons. Amos chapter 5 says, I hate all of your show and pretense. This is a prophet speaking to the people from God. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harp. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and endless river of righteous living. Wow. You can see, how, see why Amos wasn't the most popular prophet, amen? <laughs> and yet he hits on something very key. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8, it says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. But God. Take home lessons. Religious people need Jesus just as much as everybody else. We need Jesus. You know what? The answer for us, for all the struggles that we have, the take home for us today is we need Jesus. We don't need Jesus just on a cross that we celebrate once a year that rose from the dead. That's not the Jesus. We need that Jesus, but we need a Jesus that every day we seek him. And every day we search for him and every day we open ourselves up to what he might say to us. We need Jesus. When we replace, when religion replaces obedience, God leaves, but when religion reflects obedience, God blesses us. This morning as we end the service, I want to just challenge you. What is God calling you to? 
Because we have, we have a Jesus, we have a Savior, but the Savior doesn't want to just be a friend on Sunday morning. The Savior wants to give us life. There's nothing better than having life in Jesus. There's nothing better than having a friend that sticks closer than a brother, like the Bible says. Whether it's in hardships or in joy, there's nothing, honestly, there's nothing better even when everything's going fantastic to be on that, that, that emotional or spiritual mountaintop experience and be able to, in that moment, say, I recognize I'm here because of Jesus. It wasn't because I'm a hard worker and I got a great salary and because I, I did the right thing or said the right thing. It wasn't because I manipulated a situation. Just I just have Jesus. And you know what happens when we have Jesus, when we have that ongoing, vibrant relationship with Jesus, Every day is a good day. When I'm broken, when I'm bruised, when I'm hurt, and I go to Jesus, there's such a peace, there's such a contentment, there's such a joy that he can give me. When I'm lost and have no clue what the next day or the next hour will hold, when I go to Jesus, he just gives me peace. And it's not based on a ritual or Bible knowledge or anything like that. It's based on a relationship. And as I've walked with him through everything, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me, spoke the man who knew Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants relationship. He wants vibrancy. He wants to know you on a daily basis. He wants you to spend time in his presence. He wants you to seek after him and allow him the opportunity to speak into your life. He wants you to make room for him. Again, I just challenge us this morning. We're going to end without that song. I just challenge you this morning. What is God calling you to? Paul were writing to you and writing that letter that you're going to go home and read. What is he saying to you? What would Paul's message to you be? What would the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning? you consider false hope or genuine true life-giving hope today. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I thank you that you draw us in presence, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you desire to give us amazing life, abundant life is what Jesus referred to. Father, I just ask this morning that you would, you would affirm in us, that you would confirm in us, that your Holy Spirit would be at work right now speaking to each one of us. Lord, would you shine your light on our lives? Would you open up our hearts, our minds to see us as you see us, Father, and help us to take steps closer to you today? Father, I give you thanks for the Bible's clear that we do have hope, that Jesus is our hope. If we accept him as our Savior, if we invite him into our heart, the Bible says in Romans we've all sinned. It talks about how sin uh, cannot be in the presence of God, so the wages of sin, the result of is separation from God. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so in, in simplest terms that I can put it, we sinned. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. Because of God's love, he made a way for us to be back in relationship with him.
So as we allow him, as we confess our sin to God, as we invite him into our heart to be our Lord and Savior, it says that he forgives our sin and we now stand as children of God and have the confidence, not just a false hope, but we have the confidence of being in heaven with him as we continue to turn out and have obedience for his word. It's a very simple plan. And this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never done that, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. In the very simplest terms I just described, invite Jesus into your heart. I just want to give you an opportunity, and then we're going to wrap up this service. If that's your prayer this morning, if that's your desire, you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your heart, would you just raise your hand quickly? Everybody's praying, or their heads are down, nobody's looking around. But if that morning, would you just simply raise your hand and wave at me or get my attention, make eye contact with me? would love to just pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you right, right in front of everybody. just want to give you that opportunity to have Jesus in your heart. I'm not seeing any hands. I'm going to just uh, encourage you if I, if I missed you or if you wanted to talk more about that, I'd love to talk with you about that. We're going to end our service a little different this morning. It's time for us to close, but can you just stand with me for a second? And as we end this service, we're just gonna, I'm just going to have Kaylee continue to play. Can we just take 20 seconds? Thir- let's take 30 seconds. And would you just close yourself in with God right where you're at? I believe that if we give God an opportunity, he speaks to us. And if he hasn't spoken to you yet, let's just give him 30 seconds. Because I believe God is, is able and willing if we will just give him a moment. And I believe he's got a message for every single one of us if we'll just give him a moment to talk to us. So let's just do that in the quietness of this morning. to us today. I pray for us to, to answer you now and to affirm what you're asking of us, the, the direction that you're giving to us, the adjustments that you're requesting or prompting upon us. Lord, help us to be the type of people that always say, yes, Lord. Even though it may not make sense, even may, though it may seem difficult, Lord, help us to be obedient to you. You desire really from your Bible, from your word, you desire obedience from us. So help us in that effort, Lord. We give you thanks today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, I would love to take a few minutes and pray with you. Uh, But you are dismissed. Have a great week. And encourage you to invite somebody to come with you to church next week. Lord bless you. You've been listening to A Sermon from the Edge, a ministry of the Edge Church in Winona, Minnesota. If the Lord has spoken to your heart through this message, 
we would love to hear about it. Contact information is available at winonaedge.org. Thanks for listening.